The Bible reading today comes from Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 20. And before I read it, I'll just pray that it will be clear to us, Father, and I pray too for David as he explains this passage to us. Thank you, Lord. The healing of a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Well, please have your Bibles open as we come to this morning's passage. Uh, well, when I was a uni student, um, I went on holidays with some friends to Penang in Malaysia. Uh, it was the perfect holiday uh, at that time for me because I... I was really underweight. I know it's hard to imagine, but I was. And so I wanted to put on some weight. And since Penang is known for uh, their amazing food, I, when I was there, I ate everything and I ate a lot. The chagwe there, the karalaksa, the ice kachang, I ate it all. And I ate so much that I gained six kilos in two weeks. It was magic. The only problem is that I've kept putting on more weight ever since. Now, food wasn't the only vivid memory I have of Penang. There's something else that's uh, stuck with me. One of my friend's cousin took us out uh, for a drive, and I noticed all these lighted stages on the streets. 
So I asked him what it was all about. He told me that it was for the Hungry Ghost Festival. It happens every year on the first day of the seventh month of the Chinese lunar calendar. And the Chinese believe that's when the gates of hell are open. Dead souls are released back onto earth. Hungry ghosts roam the streets of the living. So to appease the hungry ghosts, altars are erected, joysticks are burned, offerings are made, so that the ghosts might be fed and satisfied, so that they might leave the living alone. Now, I probably should never have asked this because my friend's cousin ended up driving us around in the middle of the night to take us to haunted places in Penang. And so he'll drive up to a particular plumber block and point to it and ask and, to, and tell us, uh, no one dares live in apartment 444. Do you want to go in and check it out? And, and then would uh, drive up to a hawker's food store in the middle of the night and he'd say, you know that table there? It's always empty. No one dares sits there. Because someone's always eating there. And, and then he'd go to a petrol station and he gets out of the car. But it was only to get some petrol. Now, one very interesting thing he told us was that at this time of year, people from different religions like the Muslims and the Buddhists and people from different backgrounds like the Chinese and the Malays I put all their differences aside and they come together to help each other because they all have the same fear. They all fear the hungry ghosts. When you're in Penang in the middle of their hungry ghost festival, you can really sense the fear in the people, their fear of ghosts and spirits, their fear of the unknown realm, their fear that harm or bad luck might come their way. And so they make offerings. They do all they can to appease the ghosts. But as people who live in Australia, we, we might think we know better. We might reflect on this and think that, well, that's just silly superstition. There are no ghosts or spirits. That's all a waste of time. But what we'll see from the Bible passage today is that evil spirits are real. Ghosts are real. De demons are real. But if you belong to Jesus, who is building his kingdom, as we see in chapter 4, you don't have to fear. You don't even have to fear Satan, because even Satan can't stop God's kingdom from growing like a mustard seed. And that's what we're going to see in today's passage. Now, the context of today's passage has some people wondering, who is Jesus? The immediate context is that Jesus has just calmed the storm in the Sea of Galilee. And they ask at the end of chapter 4, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, in Mark's gospel, we've already seen Jesus' authority to forgive sins and heal the sick. We've already seen Jesus teach with authority and calm the storm. And now we'll see that Jesus has authority even over demons. So after Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum to the region of the Gerasenes, which is a Gentile region, he's confronted by a demon-possessed man coming out of the tombs, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, if, if it wasn't scary enough that this man with an impure spirit lived in the tombs amongst the dead, it appears the impure spirit gave him incredible strength. Verse 3, uh, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
no one was strong enough to subdue him. He was a bit like the Incredible Hulk, wasn't he? He had incredible strength, but it wasn't strength he wanted or strength he could control. He didn't want to be possessed. He didn't want the power. He didn't want to hurt anyone. He wanted the demons gone. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. It's an awful experience, isn't it? It's an awful situation to be in. You're trapped in your own body. You have uncontrollable rage. You scare everyone around you and you hurt yourself because you don't know what else to do. You're hopeless and helpless. You need a saviour. Now, if you were one of Jesus' disciples and you were standing with Jesus and this demon-possessed man comes out of the tombs, confronts Jesus, you'd be freaked out, wouldn't you? You'd probably take a sidestep and and hide behind Jesus so that maybe this demon-possessed man can't see you. And you're probably asking yourself, what's Jesus going to do? Shouldn't we just hop back onto the boat and sail away? Jesus doesn't know Kung Fu. I haven't seen him practice with the Wudong stick. And he certainly know Captain America to take on Hulk. But look at what happens next. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Who would have seen that coming? Jesus isn't afraid of the demons. The demons are afraid of him. And did you see why they're afraid of him? They recognise who Jesus is. Some people look at Jesus and think he's a great teacher. Some people look at Jesus and think he's just a great miracle worker. And some people get into a boat with Jesus and see Jesus calm the storm and still wonder, who is this? And if you haven't worked it out yet, then let the demons tell you who Jesus is. The the demons recognise that Jesus is the son of the most high God. You see, the demons of God, the enemies of God, know their creator God. The demons, the fallen angels, the creatures that God made but rebelled against him, these impure spirits know their maker. They recognise God and they recognise God's son, Jesus, the son of the most high God. And this scares the daylight out of the demons. Verse 7, second part, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. You see, the demons know that one day God will punish the devil in everlasting torment. We see this in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, the demons already know their final destiny. They will be tortured. They will be tormented day after day, night after night, forever and ever, along with everyone else who remains an enemy of Jesus for anyone who does not belong to the kingdom of heaven. You see, friends, you might believe that Jesus is God, 
But that only makes you as good as a demon. Because even demons believe that. It's what we recently saw in James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see, you could be the world's leading theologian. You spend all your days studying the Bible, you might, but you might just end up knowing things about God and not know God personally as your heavenly father. You might have been going to church all your life and you can quote the Bible for every life situation. But even if you know the Bible, it doesn't mean that you've come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, the difference between a disciple of Jesus and a demon isn't knowledge, but love. Have you come to Jesus and experienced his love for you on the cross? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus by obeying him as your king? By bowing your knee before him as your king. So, friends, if you know that Jesus is the Son of God, then let me encourage you to do something with that knowledge. Let me urge you to do what the demons aren't willing to do, and that is to come to Jesus. Say sorry to God. Go to the foot of the cross for the forgiveness of all your sins and bend your knee in allegiance to Jesus every day as your king. Just as Jesus saved the man with impure spirits, so Jesus can save you and me too. And that's what we see from verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the pure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the paralytic came to Jesus, he came because he couldn't help himself. No one could. Only Jesus could. And when he did, he got more than he bargained for. He wasn't just healed. His sins were forgiven. When the disciples found themselves in the middle of a terrifying storm, they couldn't help themselves. They couldn't save themselves. No one could. Only Jesus could. And now we see a demon-possessed man, a man possessed by possibly 2,000 demons, legion. And this man can't help himself. No one could. Only Jesus can. And so at Jesus' word, at the word of the Son of God Most High, the demons obey, all 2,000 of them as it were. They leave the man, they enter the 2,000 pigs. The demons then do what they do best and destroy some very fine bacon. Delicious pork chops, mouth-watering spare ribs. But it was worth it because the demon-possessed man's now free. He's no longer bound, no longer tormented, but liberated. He was saved by Jesus, 
the one and only who could help him in his time of need. And we see in here the economy of Jesus, don't we? The economy of Jesus, of the value of human life, that one human being is worth more than 2,000 pigs, and that's right, isn't it? In the economy of Jesus, human life is very, very important. But unfortunately, not everyone sees it that way, especially if you're one of the owners of the herds of pigs. You've just seen a large part of your wealth and livelihood destroyed. You could have enjoyed all that bacon because you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. This is a Gentile region. But now it's all gone. It's all destroyed. So how would you respond? How do these men respond? Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were rejoicing and they were ecstatic. No, they were afraid. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Jesus cast out the demons and saves a man, but now the people cast out Jesus out of the region. The demons feed Jesus because they know who Jesus is, the Son of God. But the people feed Jesus because they don't know who Jesus is. And on the one hand, it's understandable, isn't it? Jesus has freed a man they couldn't free. But on the other hand, there are huge consequences for the community. 2,000 pigs drowned. And there's a very powerful man amongst them, a man they don't understand, and so a man they don't want to know. And so since Jesus isn't wanted by the people, he decides to leave the people. But when he gets into his boat, the man wants to jump in too. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who held had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Unlike the people of the town, the man knows what Jesus has done for him. And he wants to be part of Jesus' entourage. He doesn't feed Jesus like the people. He wants to be with Jesus. But Jesus has a better idea. He, he can become an evangelist instead so verse 19 jesus did not let him but said go home to your own people and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you the man obeys and he goes and tells the people what jesus has done for him and they're amazed verse 20 so the man went away and began to tell in the decapolis how much jesus had done for them for him and all the people were amazed this is the power of testimony isn't it when the people saw from a distance what had happened, they feared. But when someone who's been touched by the power and love of Jesus comes and shares their personal testimony, their personal t- story, their personal encounter with Jesus, the people are amazed. I remember when I was at uni uh, and a friend of mine asked me, well, why are you a Christian? 
I remember telling him how I studied the different religions, how I believe that Christianity is the one that makes the most sense. I talked about Genesis and the creation story. I talked about why Jesus had to come and the logic of forgiveness and justification. But then my friend turned to me and said how he asked a mutual friend of ours, another Christian, the same question. And our mutual friend had responded to him with a very different answer. Our mutual friend had said to him how much Jesus loves him, how much Jesus means to him. At that moment, I realised how I wasn't sharing my personal relationship with Jesus, my personal encounter with Jesus. I was simply sharing with my friend what I know about Jesus. I was telling him facts, not a personal testimony. I should have shared with my friend how much it meant to me that God loves me, why Jesus died on the cross for me, and how much Jesus cares about me. And I suspect that's what the demon-possessed man did. He shared his personal story and people were amazed. There's, There's a place for apologetics but there's probably an even greater place for personal testimony. So let me encourage you this week to be praying and sharing your testimony with a friend, a neighbour, a colleague or a member of your family who's not yet a believer. The Hungry Ghost Festival lasts for 30 days. About uh, after 30 days of appeasing the ghosts, at midnight the ghosts return to hell. The gates are shut again and there's great relief because the hungry ghosts are hungry no more. They're satisfied for another year. They'll leave the people alone so the life can get back to normal again. Now, I don't believe in hungry ghosts. But I do believe in ghosts, in spirits, evil spirits as well. But as we've seen in today's passage, we don't need to fear them, for they fear our Lord Jesus Christ. Satan has been defeated. Jesus has conquered death. Satan has no part of the kingdom of heaven, and we have the Holy Spirit. We've been possessed by Jesus, as it were. But that doesn't mean we should taunt demons and play with the devil. Because we we know Satan is real, because we know demons are actively at work in undermining the kingdom of God and his people, we don't play with Ouija boards. We don't dabble with seances. We don't participate in hungry ghost festivals or anything like it. Satan has no part in the kingdom of heaven and Christians who belong to the kingdom of heaven have no part in Satan's games. Instead, as Christians, we will fill our minds with things above. We will display the fruit of the spirit. We will celebrate the Lord's supper. We will share our testimony. For Christ has died. Christ is risen and Christ will come again. And when he does, he will take us home. And Satan and all his demons will be thrown into the lake of burning fire and be tormented forever and ever.
Amen.